What about those Raptors? They haven't lost a game this year, Stuart. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, all they do is dribble and blow dribble, the whistle. Dribble, 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 and blow the whistle. All they do is goes to a commercial and then they oh play music. They play music. That's right. That's right. They I understand they have cheerleaders now as well. Have you been down there? I've been down for a couple of years. That's right. They dribble, dribble, dribble. They blow the whistle and they play a whole bunch of fancy. You're listening to Ingray Highlands This Week, Episode 7, Health, Physical, Mental, and Logistical. Hey, Stuart, I understand you had an opportunity to meet up with the uh, Grey Bruce uh, Medical Health Officer, uh, Dr. Ian Era. Yes, it was a great pleasure to see Dr. Era again. Um, I think that Ian is really fitting nicely into his new job there. And uh, he's doing a great job, and he's got a lot of new thoughts and, and uh, about how public health can be improved, especially under the light of the new Ontario uh, health team concepts. And so he's ready for that, and he's ready to continue on with uh, with um, making public health more important. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things in public health today, flu shots, uh, vaping, all those difficult things, opiates, fall people falling down. So I had a great interview with him and, and I'll ask our producer uh, to fit that in now. Okay. Today it's my pleasure to uh, have a chat with uh, Dr. Ian Era, who's the Medical Officer of Health for Gray Bruce. And uh, doctor, welcome to Studio A today. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thanks. One of the things that uh, I think uh, the people in Grey Highlands need to know is more more about public health and some of the things that you do in your office. And uh, I know you're 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 concerned about public health, and so that means a lot of things. So, can you give me a bit of a rundown as to what public health is uh, and what it looks after today? Certainly. So, the current state the current state of public health is more or less to keep healthy people healthy we deal with things before they happen uh, we, we uh, work with individuals families and the community from early age even before before pregnancy to ensure that uh, the the trajectory of an individual health is optimal uh, more concretely we work with uh, pregnant ladies to ensure they have the good nutrition with early childhood development and there's mounting evidence that if you work with kids at that early age, you change the the outcome of their health for a lifetime. And that will save the system a lot of burden, financial burden, and ensure our communities is healthy. We work with teenagers uh, during school years, whether for nutrition or tobacco cessation or prevention of tobacco use, tobacco enforcement, alcohol. Um, we work with uh, the adults for healthy lifestyle, for healthy eating, and we work definitely with uh, older adults on many fronts uh, for to ensure uh, healthy aging. And we do this in many, many ways. And I, I always think of the analogy of a modem. The internet modem in, in our houses, we forget they exist. We right. signed that contract five, six years ago. We only are aware of their importance when they break down. Right. Similar to public health, uh, you, you would remember Walkerton, it's in our area. Yes, of course. And, and SARS is another example where the system realizes the importance of public health when things are right. uh, in, not done in well. In rough shape. <laughs> Correct. So uh, public health... Uh, and I am biased because I'm part of it, uh, does really well in Ontario. We have good uh, public health system and specifically the connection with the communities. If you look at any other province, there are different models where they centralize public health, where it's delivered regionally or provincially. So there is one body for public health in, let's say, uh, um, a province, and they kept moving this model from regional to provincial and all of them really didn't do the good job that the local public health we have in Ontario does. Local public health usually there are in Ontario currently 35 health units and each one of them is connected with the municipalities and the community and they do things differently by definition because the health need of the community is different. Um, all in all, in my own bias and many people experts in the field, Ontario is a really good experiment where there is different modules that are local. 
or some issues that you were dealing with, uh, which may have subsided now about mergers with other public health uh, uh, organizations. And uh, can you give us a bit of an update on that as to the state of, of that uh, particular uh, uh, thing that was happening there. Certainly, that's the thing that has uh, been uh, the keeping us in busy. The room. <laughs> All right, it's. Uh, you, you might be surprised to see that we have in Grey Bruce a bit different perspective than other health unit about this, and it's uh, it's a challenge. Uh, n- n- no question about it. The challenge, the proposed change itself, came in April 2019, early in the year, right. uh, to uh, reduce the number of health units from. Uh, 35 to 10 by merging a group of them in regional uh, entity, health entities, and uh, reducing the budget by about 10% for us, for Gray Bruce. So there are two uh, factors or two uh, fronts to that challenge. One of the budget challenge, and the other one is the coordination with other health units for uh, to, to complete an amalgamation that was planned for April 1st, 2020. Right. Okay. This date, recently we learned that it's, uh, it's, um, has, is not going to stand. So it, the amalgamation itself might be delayed for later in the year or possibly in 21. And uh, the reason for the delay is, uh, to my delight, the ministry listened to the stakeholders and said, we need your input into the process. And the consultation has started actually last week to elicit information on our feedback, good ideas from the field, from boards of health, from health units and medical officers of health. So um, basically the one of the two challenges, uh, the amalgamation coordination for it, is going to be deferred to after the consultation. The other challenge, meeting the budget cuts by, or the budget savings, if I, I would I would call it by ten percent, is uh, going to be for this year. Uh, it's going to be mitigated partially by one-time funding from the province. Okay, so but it, it's going it to continue right. for for the years uh, to come. Uh, it is not going to be an easy challenge to actually find the money internally, and we can find it probably this year, 2020. Uh, 21, we don't have certainty about the numbers. By definition, the budget is annual. So your funding comes from uh, Ministry of Health and also uh, from the two counties that that you're involved with, uh, Gray and Bruce. And I know each one makes a contribution. Will that... uh, Will that contribution stand, or is that part of just uh, a formula that exists? In other words, uh, the counties may may contribute less as a result of this ten percent, or is it is that's open to the political the political will? So the proposal is to reduce the provincial contribution. Um, and increase the uh, county contribution. Okay, so we we in 2020 we plan to uh, find the efficiencies internally, so right. okay. not download it to the counties, and uh, we have uh, the plan, basically the management skills and uh, in in the team the the vision to actually fund it internally for for multiple reasons, uh, more specifically. Any challenge, any change has the element of opportunity in it. And this is what uh, we have been uh, planning for or looking at and conceptualizing the Center of Excellence in Rural Public Health. Being a senior, we have to get our flu shot, right? Now, are you sort of the coordinator of the flu shot um, for our area, uh, or is that run by another organization? Uh, in other words, I see pharmacies are, are doing flu shots and things. So they, how do they sort of report into the, the big picture on, on how many flu shots are given in, in Gray Highlands? So that's, those are totally uh, great questions. Uh, we do work on all these fronts in all these communities, including uh, this community. We, we ensure, that's our mandate, ensuring the delivery of services. We might not deliver it ourselves, like the vaccines, but we ensure it is delivered. We monitor the vaccine use and uh, levels of vaccines, school um, vaccines, uh, school-age vaccines in Graybrus is the highest in the province. And uh, it's, it's again, uh, another success for the team that predated me. And uh, uh, we, we do well in these things. The delivery could happen through uh, family health teams, from uh, uh, through hospitals, through 
pharmacies, we ensure its delivery. We monitor uh, these indicators, the, the data, the, the information, how many people are vaccinated and who are not vaccinated and, and why they are not vaccinated. All these questions come through my desk okay, so. uh, continuously. We, we work on many other fronts other than vaccine and prevention of right, disease. Of we work on... Just, uh, just going back to the flu shot, I, I, I understand there's quite a few people that are sort of like just vaccinations in general are saying, oh, no, I don't want to have that. Uh, and I, I know uh, a few people uh, personally that said, I don't want to get my flu shot. Now, I've been taking it. I'm not sure how many years they've been out there, but I know I've been getting it every year. And I know for me, all right, it's been a good thing. And uh, so I, I, is there any sort of, is that just sort of urban myth that there's a problem? Uh, um, why, why did that rumor start and how can we stop it? That's all. Well, the fact that you've been taking it for, a few, for many years is music to my ears. And I would encourage uh, everybody, uh, especially people who are vulnerable for, for the flu, to uh, uh, utilize the publicly funded vaccine. Um, many people use the word free vaccine. It's not free. It's publicly funded. And whenever we use free, people think it's it's not useful. It's it is useful, actually very useful. It's very useful. The, no vaccine is 100% effective and, and safe. And uh, let's not, uh, you know, uh, be blind to that. Uh, the efficacy of the flu vaccine could enhance. It's usually around uh, 50%, depending on the age prevention. However, However, if you look at the uh, number of illnesses, uh, hospital admission, death of flu every year, it is uh, around three to four thousand deaths a year. Really, uh, it, it is major. And that's provincially or, or that's across, uh, across, across Canada. Canada. Okay, four thousand people—that's right. still a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, w when you vaccinate people, you're ensuring at least fifty percent on average people are protected. But that's not the the main gain. The main gain of in the people who cannot be vaccinated. If somebody who's uh, very old, their immune system might not build the immunity for the vaccine. So vaccinating the younger people around them will protect them. Uh, young kids or uh, kids or individuals with immune uh, system issues, they cannot get the vaccine. Vax vaccinating the, the community around them will protect them. And I mentioned the, the, safety, the efficacy is not perfect. The safety actually is, is very safe. Like no perfect, no vaccine is perfect. However, the safety portfolio for the influenza is is very uh, good. Many people think, or there is a rumor, like you said, uh, people get the vaccine and they get sick. And they say, because I got the vaccine, I got sick. It cannot happen. The vaccine itself is deactivated. It's not uh, a live I've never vaccine. I've gotten sick. Okay, yeah. I've had it. There is association between getting the vaccine and getting sick, but because, not because of the vaccine. The, the evidence in the, in the literature points to words. If a person goes to a family physician or a, a healthcare center to get the vaccine and they sat beside somebody who's ill, they got that illness, which could be a cold or could right. be anything. Uh, so having the vaccine through, through public health, where there's no um, sick individual going there or through pharmacies would eliminate or reduce that right. risk. So one of the other things I do sit on is the seniors committee and one of advisory committee for Grey Highlands. And of course, what we're talking about is a lot of the slips and falls uh, that are happening. And this is the kind of year that uh, with ice on the ground. And, you know, if you're if you're the age of I am, which is uh, 80, uh, you have to be you have to be careful uh, when you're walking. I think that's just an awareness of what's happening. And that has to happen in the home as, as, as well as outside. But I notice uh, that uh, that the numbers seem to be higher in 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 Grey Bruce than it is in the province, and I don't know, just because in rural maybe we have um, more more obstacles to you know to fall over. I'm not sure what it is. Do you have any thoughts of slips and falls? And certainly, that's a subject that we we take care of, and I would say I dare say nicely take care of. Um, we have higher uh, level than the rest of the province or the urban centers, and that's for because of many reasons. One of them, we we're, we do many things outdoors comparing right. to the cities. We have uh, uh, maybe roads without uh, um, the the optimal sidewalks sometimes, and uh, the the older population that we have, like you said, there is an association with age and and falls. We have developed uh, programs to uh, fall prevention. We visit uh, nursing homes, we retirement homes, we provide training for. 
many individuals uh, and uh, organizations to prevent falls, to strengthen um, the the ability of individual to mitigate the fall if they fall and to prevent it from happening to start with. And that uh, was translated in success in reducing uh, hospital admissions and emergency visits related to fall. Right. And that uh, caught the eye of uh, the lens uh, a few years ago, so that program was actually funded 100% by the LIN, and uh, it, it's a success for public health to reduce injury and falls. One and uh, one topic, I suppose that we, you know, we don't have any cannabis uh, outlets in in Gray and and Bruce yet. I don't think uh, legal ones, anyhow. Uh, do you see any, uh, let's say, more marijuana uh, uh, smoking or 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 eating as a result of the legalization of it? Anything happening in that front? Uh, this subject actually keeps me up at night. I I would worry that we might be falling in the same uh, trap we fell in 20 years ago. And, and allow me to explain. If you go back 20 years ago, you look at the opiate use, heroin or fentanyl or anything like this, was, uh, was uh, minimal comparing to today. Uh, pharmaceutical companies kind of marketed the products that they uh, the, the they manufactured opiate as safe not addictive and there was increased need for painkillers because we're getting older we're more successful in more complex surgeries there's more obesity and uh, that was a combination for this is a safe product let's use it right. and fast forward 20 years we have a crisis on our hand uh, the physicians uh, were, you know, bought into that research that was done by pharmaceutical companies and maybe promoted it as safe. Uh, about 10 years ago, physician community, the colleges, uh, became aware that this is not safe, so let's cut back. Many of the people who used prescription opiate went to the streets, and uh, you have this crisis. You add to it easier import importation from uh, different countries overseas, uh, most uh, notably China, uh, of fentanyl and stronger drugs, and we have this full-blown crisis. We go back to cannabis. I really worry this is this could be the same because there is. A stronger, stronger marketing for cannabis is natural and safe, and right. it's not addictive. Uh, cannabis is is a substance that's addictive. It there is a proven efficacy in treating epilepsy only, not for pain, not for anxiety. However, everybody's marketing as nat natural, and it would solve the problem. The legalization. I probably would be in the middle to de say decriminalization is good. To ban it completely is the extreme, the other extreme, legalize it, in the middle, decriminalize it. So if somebody used it, don't really take their livelihood or their ability to work because of a criminal record. Legalizing it, especially without much um, consultation with the field, with public health, with the medical community. I know you always felt that... Uh that cannabis, cannabis, if you choose to use it, you should be over 25. So, and I, and I kind of agreed with that based on some personal observations that I made of some younger people that were involved in it. So I noticed Quebec is trying to raise the age, I think from 19 to 21. So things may be, may be changing. Um, we don't have, what scares me, of course, is the, you know, the, the gummy bears and the brownies and all that kind of stuff. And that's probably happening right now in our area, but we don't know about it. Uh, and um, there's nothing to stop me from buying cannabis legally and, and making um, a brownies, right, with, uh, with the product. So, and a lot of people don't understand the impact uh, of, of taking uh, that kind of uh, um, product in and, and then it'll hit them afterwards. I mean, if true Toronto police officers sampled some brownies and, and felt, uh, you know, that they, they would have a problem afterwards and they had to call in and say, Hey, we got a problem. Definitely. Uh, cannabis has negative effect on the developing brain. Uh, teenagers, instead of gaining these social skills and ability to, to be part of the community, they grow, uh, if they smoke, uh, you know, on daily basis or semi-daily, they might lack these skills by the time they're in their 20s. Uh, pregnant ladies, um, some some people who might incline to smoke marijuana during pregnancy, 
we, we don't have evidence, but the indication it's going to be uh, having negative effect on the baby, similar to alcohol. Right. Uh, one of the things that I, I would think we're going to see increase in is the injury and visits to emergency departments because of cannabis. And the initial data uh, we receive from hospitals indicate uh, this is the case. Uh, more feedback from from Grey Bruce Health. Yeah. Oh, correct. Yes. The, the data we have it, it has increased two or three folds so far. Uh, childhood poisoning by edibles. A brownie to a person might give them the high they want. A brownie to a little kid could be poisonous, and that's the indication or the evidence from uh, other jurisdictions that legalized uh, marijuana. Colorado is most yeah. notable. There were doubling or tripling of uh, childhood uh, uh, poisoning due to edible marijuana in the first couple of years. Um, the other major impact would be probably through uh, motor vehicle accidents. People, for some reason, believe they drive better when they are uh, high, and that's not true, not true at all. No. There are very few tasks that the humans can do worse than driving. <laughs> uh, and and uh, uh, using cannabis would not help, definitely. And it really bothers me when people say it is natural. And you, you, you go, let's go back to basic, forget about science and anything. You look at the wild. If there is any species other than humans in the wild, they smoke, smell smoke or see fire, they run the other way. We are the only species that we roll it up, put it in our face and light it up. And that's not natural, no. will never be natural. What about uh, CBD oil? Does that seem to be sort of uh, stuff that they're selling off the shelf now? Um, um, and that's the, the uh, marijuana or uh, without, without uh, THC, which is supposed to be the addictive part is... Have you had any feedback on CB the properties, the positive properties of CBD oil? Well, or is there? Any? I, I am not naive. People use drugs; they're going to continue to use drugs. Although I'm quite believer of a drug-free world one day, we're not there yet. Um, any product produced by marijuana has the uh, most products produced by marijuana have the ability to be addictive, uh, and it really depends on many other factors that the injury might happen. You've heard about vaping, e-cigarettes, the epidemic. It, it, it is... Popcorn lungs, they're calling it now. Right. right like if you, if you look at it, two or three years ago, we used to call it e-cigarettes, and suddenly everybody calls it vaping. And then we woke up as a sector in public health to realize that we've been using the same term that the industry used, vaping. It gives you the, the impression of vapor. It's safe. It's water. It's not. It's aerosolized part Articles right. and and it the 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 most alarming uh, report I read from uh, the pathologist who did the autopsy on one of the young people who uh, unfortunately died in the United States the uh, the physician is from the Mayo Clinic very reputable clinic right. um, his wording was something to the fact that the injury to the lung tissue is very similar to the injury from the mustard gas in the second world in the first world war okay. and, and and you look at that i see significance in it in two points one of them is in uh, the acuteness acuteness is the short time of injury you look at smoking cigarettes it causes cancer after 20 30 years of smoking some of these kids who had this injury smoked for less than a year so in one year, you're getting a lung that is probably 70 years old. A person who is disabled for life cannot run or do any exercise because they injured their lung. So that's one. The second one is the severity of the injury. Mustard gas is, is really not vaping. It's not vapor. You don't survive that. That's right. Right. So that keeps me up at night. Uh, what I would like to uh, mention at uh, um, parting words, I would say... The flu vaccine is is uh, something that every one of us can do good for ourselves, for our families and our communities, washing our hands uh, and simply just all of us. We can live healthy. We can eat really well. We can work out um, smoking, uh, vaping. I, I struggle why people do it, but I know they're going to continue to do it. And hopefully one day we might uh, reach that point where Less of us are doing these things. More of us are enjoying long life, right. healthy life. Well, I've been blessed. I'm not sure whether it's uh, the good things I ate or uh, my genetic uh, background, but uh, let's say it 
at my age, I don't feel my age. I would have knocked on wood, except our producer said, don't knock on the table. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Thank you very much. Hey, Stuart, have you heard about this uh, new, new concept called the Health Campus? Yes, I have, Paul. I heard it on the South Grey News the other day. Well, super. Well, you probably uh, know, and you were at the event that I was at, where um, uh, Grey Bruce Health Services have applied for a new building permit for the new hospital. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a new li- new online process with regards. So what to- happens after the building permit gets put in? Well, I understand that the, they're hoping that the shovels hit the ground uh, later on in 2020. Okay. And so, so uh, that's been that's that's something that this community's been waiting for a long time. Isn't that fantastic? Well, I know that uh, campaign started in 2003 and four for the capital campaign, and they raised over uh, $12 million. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, it's, there's, it's been a long time. I remember when uh, Dr. Uh, Huskins came up here that day. September of 2014. That's right. Okay. That was the start. That was the start. So then also the, the county has now made an application or we're going to make an application for more long-term care beds for Gray Gables. Right. Okay. 62 new long-term care beds. Or, or So what do you think for? they're going to do then? They're going to take 62 plus 66 is 128. That's right. So you're going to add, uh, going to build something new then? Well, there's a, there was a concept I understand that was brought forward a few weeks back with a brand new build uh, of the uh, of the 128. Um, okay, beds. well, that seems to be the model right now. Right, 32 times whatever. So that seems to be uh, each sort of nurse station can look right. after 32 uh, pods of 32. I guess they right. call it right. Right, and then the, then the thought is is possibly the current Grey Gables could be assisted living. Okay. So uh, it's a very, you know, it's a beautiful facility and, and certainly, and, and part of that health campus, as I understand that the assisted living could have offset the cost of the long-term care costs of the new Gray Gables. Do you think uh, there's also some things that we've discussed uh, uh, about uh, alternate uh, level of care concepts? Uh, well, so anyhow, keep you. That's something that maybe, maybe come far with that. But I, I, I know guess Alan I, Madden would, would like to have that considered. And I did... I did interview Alan, so we'll get to him in shortly as well. Well, yeah, well, that's where I guess uh, from that, I guess I understand you did have an a interview with Al Madden. Yeah, he was, it was a pleasure to have Alan here. Uh, he's the executive director of the Southeast Gray Community Health Clinic, and it's the only health clinic in, in uh, our Gray Bruce area. And uh, he started, when he first started at 800 um, people on the roster, and he hopes by the end of this year to have 8,000. So uh, hopefully the Minister of Health will keep the funding up so that he can continue to offer that care. I know he's down in in Dundalk and he's up in Chatsworth. He's in the high school. So it's a great service. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, Alan is, uh, is reaching out. And then we've got this new uh, Ontario Health team that Alan is part of as well. So a lot of great things I think will happen. And uh, as we, as you know, uh, hopefully our area will probably be home to another I know 1,000 people in the next 10 years at least. So man, they're going to have to have a doctor as well. Well, so. absolutely, with the growth that's coming. So I think we've just you know basically described the health campus. We've got the, the new hospital, the addition of uh, Gray Gables, along with a possibility of an assisted living uh, facility, along with we know currently the CHC is is right right there in the same location. So right. it's good to see that uh, for our area, that'll be, that'll be for growth-wise, uh, health and, and knowing where to go is very important for our communities. And it's in its future growth. Right. Well, you know, uh, there's great location, too, on Victoria Street in downtown uh, Markdale. Right off of Highway 10. Right. Well, Stuart, when speaking about health campuses, I understand that you had an interview with the executive director of the CHC, Al Madden. Sure did. It was a great interview. Yeah, he's a really knowledgeable fellow. Yep. So we had him in Studio A, and uh, we're going to roll that as part of our segment today. Well, I look forward to hearing from that. Today in Studio A, I have Alan Madden, who's the Executive Director of the Southeast Gray Community Health Clinic. Alan, welcome. Pleased to be here, Stuart. Uh, I would like to take this opportunity uh, to thank you for all the hard, dedicated work that you've done in our community, developing this community health clinic to, I would say, an ultimate rural model. 
can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you've been and, and where you intend to go with this community health clinic? And and being the fact that you're the youngest health clinic and probably the, also maybe the, the five-star uh, award winner and uh, how you see this happening, uh, maybe in other parts, but also how you see the future. Sure. Um yeah, we were we were the last uh, community health center announced in the house uh, by Smitherman, right. and so we're the youngest of the 101 community health centers in the province. Uh, we when we started, we actually put a sign up on the road that said in 2011 said accepting patients, and at that point in time, the first year we had 800 patients, and I suspect by the end of our fiscal year, which is March 31st, 2020, we'll have close to 9,000. Um, so we've grown. Wow. Uh, we've grown quite it's a bit. Phenomenal. Yeah, we've grown quite a bit uh, since uh, 2011. Uh, we've got amazing, amazing staff, amazing team of doctors, nurse practitioners, physiotherapists. Uh, we've got uh, dietitians, um, chiropodists, uh, kinesiologists, and if I forget any, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear about it. Um, uh, you but, do have some. Uh Social workers and we mental do. health workers. We do have mental well. health workers. We have right. social workers. Okay. Um, and uh, we now own the building. Right. Uh, that's the latest uh, feat. Um, and uh, it, it's good because it makes us independent. Um, and the goal now will be to turn that building into a community health hub. Right. And so we are working closely with our mental health uh, colleagues, with CMHA and Keystone, and also with uh, social services. Their clients are our clients. And uh, we're trying to create a center that will have uh, sort of one-stop shopping. Uh, and the goal will be that when somebody comes in, uh, the first question we can ask is, how can we help you? And regardless of what their needs are, we uh, we hope to be so able to- So the focus is called primary health care. Right? That's correct. So, so that's a broad, and you're probably redefining it and making it much more, uh, let's say, user-friendly for the public. So uh, I think that, uh, would you say that because you are in an area that's such untapped in the sense of exploring new opportunities that you're unique in, in the CHC business? I, I think we are unique. Uh, we're unique insofar as um, uh, community health centers historically were urban um, health centers, and they, they dealt specifically with the homeless. I know they we dealt. had one in Guelph when I lived yeah. there. Yeah, and it wasn't the same as this kind of model. No, no th- this model where uh, we, uh, we attempt to provide uh, a very high quality of primary health care uh, to everyone who comes through our doors, but really our focus is on what we call the people who are marginalized, uh, social economic, uh, mental health, addictions, uh, etc. And uh, we try to wrap around uh, those individuals' services that we think will keep them stable and keep them out of the hospital, uh, seniors, uh, frail, um, frail seniors as well. And we've had a fairly high degree of success in doing that. I think this year, probably about 30,000 people will visit our our programs. Uh, And we're very grateful to um, Grey Highlands, Municipality of Grey Highlands, for their financial support and allowing us to uh, run those programs, and also uh, the Township of Southgate. Uh, We have uh, five locations now, Stuart. Five, wow. Uh, So we have two in Dundalk. Uh, the Erskine Church was uh, donated to us by the Presbyterian uh, congregation, and we're extremely grateful. And we're in the midst of doing some renovations uh, to the church now. We run a number of programs out of there. Uh, we're also grateful to the Lions Club, who allow us to operate a clinic in Dundalk uh, from their um, location. And uh, we have about 3,000 patients now rostered in Southgate uh, to the Community Health Center. Is that open? Uh, how much time is, is it open, Alan? So what, what I can tell you is that we recognize if, if our goal truly is to keep people out of the hospital, then um, the, uh, it's all about access. And it's all about making sure that individuals have access after work, before work, weekends. Uh, and so we are looking at um, expanding the number of hours that were open uh, after April 1st uh, to include four nights a week and Saturdays as well. That would be phenomenal. Right. Is that just in the, the Dundalk area or can you expand that? To That'll other? be at all of, all of our locations. Okay. Does that mean you have a new funding model available to you? Well, we, we have the same funding model, but um, it's just a matter of uh, 
scheduling our um, nurse practitioners and our doctors um, uh, across different time paths. Um, we have a, a clinic, as you know, in the high school. Uh, I think it's the one of the only one of its kind in, in Ontario. Uh, we've just completed a, a research project on the impact of that clinic uh, to the community. Um, and that um, research uh, document is available on our website for anybody who wants to have a look at it. Um, and, uh, of course, we have the main center in Markdale, and we have a clinic in Chatsworth, and we're grateful to right. the Township of Chatsworth for the space that they give us there. And uh, we also have a clinic in uh, Participation Lodge, um, and that right. was the newest is, one. Yeah. And that was more or less uh, just a, a partnership that, uh, that we created. Uh, we uh, reached out to them, asked uh, who was providing primary care, uh, to their uh, patients, and uh, as you know, the patients there are residential, and uh, the response was that they were going to the hospital, and that's not good primary care. Okay. So we're in there uh, twice a month. Uh, nurse practitioners go in there, and okay. and the goal is to keep people stable, keep look them after healthy. the residents. Absolutely, the uh, they they do have a therapeutic pool there as well. Understand? Yeah, they do, and we're hoping to be able to take advantage of that and use that for uh, seniors programs in the new year. Uh, we're really just getting started, Stuart. We're, um, we're con- so what I can tell you is that uh, we're the highest performing community health center in the province uh, as of I've today. I've seen your awards. So yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, we are the lowest cost per patient served, um, and we're also the lowest cost per patient visit. Uh, we also have a very high patient satisfaction rating, um, and that's all that's all about staff. That's all about team and the individuals that come in and do great work every day, and uh, it's, it's thanks well, to that. Well, your staff have a very good attitude. I've, I've been well-received as a, as a, as a, on your, on your roster there. I couldn't, good. you don't say it's a patient, I guess you say I'm a rostered. Uh, You're a rostered patient or a okay. rostered client. Okay, uh, client. And, the, and uh, people come in for different reasons, um, and um, it's the flu season as we speak, and so a lot of people are coming in to get their flu shots. We're operating a number of flu clinics. We want to partner with Beaver Valley. Uh, we'll right. hopefully reach out to Chapman's and see if we can partner with them and run flu clinics. Right. Okay. And and again, our primary uh, motivation is to keep people healthy and keep them out of the hospital. Right. That's that's our goal. So um, let's sort of sort of look at uh, your funding. Then I, I I would assume that you're stretching uh, you're stretching yourselves on on, on that. Is, is do you have any let's say uh, interested parties in the Ministry of Health now that uh, could see how you probably could use more funding to be able to address things? I think you're the only community health clinic in Gray Bruce, right? We are. Um, so that's a big territory. It, well, yeah, it is. And our, our geography right now is Southeast Gray. But we know that there are um, people who live in Owen Sound and other parts of Gray Bruce that could really benefit right. from the type of health care that we provide. Um, and so, you know, we will continue to build business cases and present them to the ministry right. and say that uh, we think we should have a satellite in Owen Sound or a satellite in, uh, in Hanover. Um, and we'll continue to make those business cases and work with local politicians to get them to realize the value of the services that we provide. Uh, we'll work closely with our acute care partners to try to keep people out of uh, hospital as well with the three different hospital corporations in Grand Bruce. Um, and we'll work closely with our mental health uh, colleagues to uh, to support them and to, to complement the services that they offer as well. That's a pretty big menu you, of offerings you have there. It, it is. It is. Um, and, you know, you the more you realize about health care, the more you realize uh, the growing demand uh, that continues to exist. And um, uh, I did say that we're the lowest cost per patient served. That means that we're very lean um, and we're really stretched. Um, I think that the opportunities that... Uh, are created through the Ontario Health Team will uh, will work to our benefit. When Can you tell people a little bit about sure. the health team concept? It seems to be that they're in starting to happen. And I, I did read that the uh, great Bruce is looking to form a health team and how that would you would fit into that model, obviously. Sure. There are about 45 uh, funded agencies in Gray and Bruce. Um, so there are 12 hospitals. Right mental health agencies, uh, there are family health teams, there are uh, community health center, um, and um, those agencies are going to come together and they're going to receive one funding envelope in the future. Okay. 
And from that one funding envelope, uh, the goal will be to better integrate the services that we offer, to eliminate duplication, uh, to better assist in uh, transitioning patients from hospital to home, uh, from primary care to the home uh, as well. Um, and so uh, I really feel optimistic. One of the one of the programs that we've been talking about uh, from the early days um, that my board uh, was established was uh, understanding who the most vulnerable people are in Gray and Bruce and being able to pick up the phone when Highway 10 is closed and say, how are you doing, Mrs. Smith? Is there anything that you need? Is right. there anything we can do? So building on that buddy system. Building on the buddy system. Uh, and the paramedics have done a great job in in, um, in being able to identify who those individuals are and be proactive in, in monitoring and looking after the needs of those individuals. Well, social interaction is very, very important for, for lots of people. And uh, I guess you've diagnosed that uh, there's a lot of people that aren't really getting out there, especially in the winter in Gray. Absolutely. Gray, Bruce, uh, Num- number one cause of death. Uh, for individuals over the age of 80 is social isolation. And so one of the things that we can do is offer programs and services to keep those people active and, and involved. That's why I'm talking to you today. So uh, <laughs> keeping active. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So um, I understand that, uh, uh, let's say there's a, a dental program that you're having available now for, um, is it young people up to a certain age? But then I understand there's a lot of money just being rolled out now for seniors or let's say those that can't afford uh, uh, under a certain wage level. Are you going to be correct. able to handle that? Uh, we are. Yeah. Uh, we run, uh, we partner with public health. Uh, they fund and run the Healthy Smiles program out of our site. And uh, they will be running the seniors dental program. So we'll advertise on their behalf. Uh, people will come into our clinic um, and uh, under a certain threshold uh, of income, uh, seniors will be able to receive free dental at our site. And we're looking forward to that program starting up very soon. Okay, so then you'll, that'll be, you'll be the, the place that, uh, that people will go to. to That's correct. It. Right. That's correct. So that will you have a, a dentist on full time then eventually? E- eventually, that's the goal. Right. Uh, and um, down the road, we would love to be able to offer that program in Dundalk as well. I think that uh, generally speaking, then that uh, uh, we're in good hands in, in health uh, in our area. I know that you talked a little bit about uh, CM, the kidney and mental health. Uh, uh, becoming more important and probably taking more presence in your building. Um, I know it's off street in in Markdale right now. Um, do you see that you're somehow that? How do you see that kind of working with with your nurse practitioners? If if they're detecting uh, some issues, uh, they will m- make an appointment across the hall. You might say, is that is that your idea? I, I think I think the vision is down the road uh, that. Um, if they're in our building, then we're communicating more closely and clearly. Um, we're putting the patients and the clients first. Um, and uh, any CMHA clients or patients that do not have physicians uh, would be welcome into our clinic and uh, would be we would welcome them, uh, give them access to our dietitians, right. um, okay. so foot care. Uh, life cycle of, uh, absolutely. Of, of health. And yeah, I know that... You know, the stigma on mental health uh, is is evolving to maybe that more people understand that it's just maybe a fact of life. And uh, being able to talk to somebody about it, I think, is probably reassuring, uh, you know, the the pressure that a lot of people have, both financial and uh, uh, and emotional and families. I think those are a lot of things that can lead to poor health. And uh, I'm glad to say that you probably can help help people and uh, I see you uh, being able to fill up that building with a lot of a lot of health uh, pro- products uh, and and procedures over the next little while so do you see uh, I do you have uh, sort of five 10 15 year visions uh, for your organization I know I probably won't be around that that 15 year uh, uh, concept but um, I'm hoping I keep my fingers crossed well, come but, on Stuart we're going to keep you healthy <laughs> <laughs> that's true so far we, we do. We uh, our our uh, vision is uh, healthy people, vibrant communities, right. um, and so as much as we want to keep people healthy, we also uh, have a community development side uh, to what we do, 
And that's about developing programs and services that keep communities vibrant and keep people within those communities happy. Um, as I say, we, we run programs all over uh, Southeast Grey. And um, I think that part of our five-year vision will be to a stabilize the organization. So we are uh, we've bought the building. We're uh, going to undertake some renovations. We're going to partner with CMHA right. and Keystone, and the Gray County. Uh, we're partnering with Public Health to offer the dental program. And then um, part of our five-year plan is to build a new site in Southgate as well, right. about 14,000 square feet. And so we're working on the capital plan that we'll submit to the Ministry of Health for that. That makes sense. Uh, and then I would say part of our 10-year plan will be to better integrate our services into the new Markdale Hospital once it's built, and we look forward to that being built. Right. I understand they've uh, taken out their building permit now. Oh, wonderful. Great so, news. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's rolling forward, uh, but as we know, um, you know, that will be not a place like currently, I suppose, where people will... Uh, visit there and stay in, in a bed if they're in poor health. Uh, I guess there will be a transition to uh, to the Owen Sound Hospital for, for that kind of care. Indeed. And there will uh, be a transition I, I, that everyone will have to get used to, I guess. So part of our transportation uh, system of rolling between uh, Markdale and Owen Sound makes sense uh, for that kind of... Uh, it does. Um, moving, moving the family backwards and forward. That seems to be much more... A uh, reasonable way of doing things now. Uh, I agree. The other, the other part of that ten-year vision, Stuart, will be will be assisting the Ontario Health team with um, um, looking at issues around um, not only home care but palliative care, and uh, and improving the quality of palliative care that currently is delivered in Gray and Bruce. Uh, and if we can build upon the residential hospice model that is currently offered out of Chapman House, right. and the tremendous services that they offer, that would be uh, that would be um, part of our our strategy and our goal. Um, and uh, partnering with uh, those types of agencies to better improve palliative care, not just in in residents but across uh, Gray and Gray and Bruce. All of my nurses and pra- and uh, nurse practitioners and doctors deliver home care to palliative patients. So how, how can we better improve that by uh, accessing the kind of expertise that exists at, uh, at Chapman House? Those are the kinds of things that uh, that I think we can improve upon. understand pharmacies also do home visits today. And they do. They, they prepare blister, blister packs and things. Indeed. I guess you're quite integrated with, with our pharmacy in, uh, we are. in, in Markdale. And we are, and also uh, with the um, uh, chiropractor, uh, um, so, uh, you know, for low back pain. Um, and I think that the, the integration to become even even better and we can improve upon that model even more. Um, but uh, one step at a time. Right. We, uh, we've grown quite a bit and we're, uh, I have a, uh, my boss, who is the clinical director at, uh, at, um, in Markdale, Penny, um, has a, a a collar that she puts on me, and every time <laughs> okay. I come up with a new idea, she zaps me and says, uh, "Hold hold on a sec, let's just back off a little bit before we let's just stabilize before we grow anymore." But she learns uh, that she should write it up though that uh, and put it in a file because uh, Alan <laughs> Alan uh, will be persistent enough to want to bring forward some new ideas, and I, I agree. I think you're you're cutting edge on a lot of new ideas in health, so I feel that uh, we can welcome uh, new people to our community and feel fully comfortable that they'll be taken care of. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's uh, that's where we need to be. And uh, so anyhow, thanks for spending some time with me in Studio A. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. And um, we're going to talk more uh, about health in our community uh, on uh, with some other interviews as well. Beautiful. Thank you, Stuart, for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Alan, for coming. So I understand, Stuart, you so, know, uh, there's a new segment coming Yes, there uh, is. with uh, some co- a collaboration or I guess we can call it an association with the South Grey News. Absolutely. Ron Burnett is a, is, a, is a great guy and his wife, Barbara Perrin, and they've been working on South Grey News for quite some time now. And I think I hope to talk to Ron a little bit more about the history of South Grey News. And it's a web web based uh, information, but Ron is is out there um, 
becoming an intrepid reporter, and I see some great stuff coming from him. So I'm going to talk to Ron a little later. Yeah, that seems to be quite current, too. And I think that's Absolutely. important for our area because I mean, we don't have anything that's real local. And that's that's certainly local for us. And that's great for the people here in Great Highlands and Great County. Well, today, uh, I have uh, my friend uh, Ron Burnett, uh, who is a co-partner with uh, Barbara Perrin on, on South Gray News. Now, Ron, uh, South Gray News is really kind of expanding uh, these days, and I see. I, well, I'm. I guess one way it's expanding is I subscribe to it, right? Well, there you go. <laughs> so therefore, it's coming up on my email feed uh, quite often. So I'm I'm looking at it. So I guess number one, you sub- should really subscribe to South Gray. You News. should. Thank you very much for subscribing. It's free to subscribe, right. and uh, with that, you get a an email blast every week. I on see Wednesdays, that. and uh, that gives you the top stories, right? And uh, the events for uh, coming up. Well, I like that. So that you know, that's I mean, it kind of complements uh, what we're doing here on in Grey Highlands this week. Uh, we're about um, exploring in depth on, on some subjects, and you know, this week we're talking a bit about health, but I'm also talking to you about some of the things that South Grey uh, News is doing, and uh, you were talking about. The celebration this week uh, on the internet. Uh, can you tell me a bit about what that celebration is? Yeah, well, we're, we're recording this on Cyber Monday, which happens every uh, every year um, around about this time. But it's kind of uh, turned into Cyber Week, which is all these online retailers have all these super spectacular specials on their sites. They want you to buy up uh, for Christmas. And, uh, yeah, so that's what's happening this week. And I'm just... Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm amazed at how intrusive the internet has become in our lives. It's it's it is uh, un- unfortunately in many ways. I mean, let's face it, uh, it's uh, invaded our our mindset. Uh, and you know, when I get a feed from my phone that tells me that I've had X hours a week on my uh, <coughs> on my phone, and I'm I'm saying, oh my gosh, yes. that's that's terrible. But one it's, of the things that um, the Cyber Week, they're calling it, right? That means yeah. that they're trying to get people to, to buy online. That's so, right. So having uh, certainly uh, invested a lot of time in our in our local chamber of commerce, I, I think shopping local is something that I'd like to see people do. Yes. And, um, and the more that our money circulates locally, the better opportunity is before our, our, our local retailers to be able to invest in more inventory. Mm-hmm. Keeps our local economy running and... Uh that's what we all need to do is, 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 you know, take time to, to look around at what you've got in your own community and see if you can do, if not most of your shopping, maybe all of your shopping for the Christmas season. Do it locally if you can. Well, yeah, and our merchants are really nice. I mean, they, they take the time to work with you. I mean, um, you know, the hardware store in Flesher and the hardware store in Markdale, they're lovely people. Mm-hmm. So customer service is, is part of it. And, you know, there's all kinds of options if you're buying paint or whatever you want to buy. Well, you know, they've got a lot more than just hardware stuff in there. Right. And, and, and they got homewares. And, of course, if they don't have it, they can get it for you, unfortunately. Uh, that's going into the cyberspace uh, to have a look at their catalog. But yeah. it does come. But they do have extensive inventories in their in their local stores. And, you know, we, we have great uh, pharmacies here in Markdale. And, yeah, and, and lots of Wilson. other stores, everything from clothing to hardware to... Um, yeah, I understand. Uh, food. Yes. Uh, there's uh, even um, Susan Smith at her stores uh, has got some menswear now. So, if oh, you, yeah. so that's, that's great. Um, you know, if you need a new shirt or something uh, mm-hmm. or a new hat. So Susan Smith has, has that. So, yeah. and uh, you know, so that's, it's important, I think, to, to, to focus on that. And, um, you know, if we can build our economy locally, then uh, that's important. So you got some other things on uh, South Gray News that uh, um, you got some great stories, uh, but also you're also a, a source of, uh, What's happening, kind of, right? Yeah, events are a big thing in this area, especially at this time of year, because there's tons of stuff going on. There's all kinds of concerts and markets. Um, Great opportunities to shop local. Um, And we cover a big area here. We've got Grey Highlands, uh, Southgate, West Grey, and Chatsworth. 
There's right. lots of markets coming up. There's lots that have already gone by. Um, it's worthwhile to go and check them out. Most of them are free in, in admission. Right. Um, this weekend, for example, on Saturday, uh, we've got the Southgate Community Farmers Market uh, Christmas Market coming up, ten to three at the Frank McIntyre Building. Do they your, n- normally hold it in the Frank McIntyre Building? Uh, last year they had it at the arena. This year they've got it at the Frank McIntyre Building. But I, during the during the the summer months, where do they hold the? They're at yeah. They're just uh, in that park. Okay. Yeah. Beside right. the Frank McIntyre Building. But oh, that's a nice uh, nice building there. So that's something to do this Saturday, then. That's right. Yeah. Um, there's a Chris Kendall market coming up uh, at the Glen Colton Farm near Durham. Right, right. okay. Um, that's got everything from music to displays and food and all kinds of It's an event European, then. it's an experience. It's a beautiful place and it's, yeah, got lots of stuff going on. Now, the you do have to pay to get, into, to get into that one. You do have to pay to get in. Okay, it's, but uh, it would be nominal? $15, but the proceeds go to the local Edge Hill School. Okay. Um, and then on the following weekend, there is the Flesherton Canets Frosty Market here in Flesherton. Oh, Frosty uh, Market. That's on the 14th. Where are they holding that? At the Kinplex. Oh, okay. They have that every year. And then at the uh, in Durham, there's a, there's a market uh, at the Legion on the 15th. That's a Sunday. So right. lots of opportunity to go out and shop locally. Well, I know I was at the, uh, the Flesherton Farmer's Market uh, that you held at the Kinpex uh, last weekend there, and uh, mm, yes. it was really busy. Um, it was, yeah. And there was a hockey tournament going on right next door, too. All right, well, that, so. that creates the buzz, and were you getting some cross, cross-pollination cross between the, the parents as well, coming? Uh, yes, well, yes. They, yeah, okay. Well, Everybody seemed to have a good time, and it was uh, very well attended. It was, yes. Yeah, by the way, I, I, I do all the advertising for that, too, and... Um, I advertised it everywhere, and it's funny. They know the the number one reason why people uh, found it was through word of mouth, but number two is the internet. Right. So it just shows you how how much we use it these days. People are searching. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I agree that uh, it's certainly a good tool. Right. Today. Yeah. And that's where you can get all your news. Right. Southgrade.ca. Well, I know. Uh, do you do breaking news yet? We um, we do breaking news. Um, we try to get our news when it when it is breaking on the site within twenty four hours. Okay, um, we're not really so much investigative reporting. No, no. Um, we're not here to dig up dirt on our local politicians by any means. But <laughs> <laughs> oh um, no, you wouldn't want to do that. Well, no, no. Okay, but news newsworthy things that are happening in uh, in the community you, you report on as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Do you write the on. articles yourself? I do many of them. Yeah, good. Yeah. Your your style is is pretty good these days. Uh, it's, it's it's getting nice. getting okay. better. Yeah, you're working at it. I think that's that's really nice. Okay, guys, uh, the written word is a is a lot tougher than uh, than you think sometimes when you you know. It is, and when you're reporting a lot of these events, uh, there's a lot of the same things that that go on. It's it's right. It's sometimes interesting to find different ways of. So saying. you're enjoying that. Uh, I am, and I um, am. Hopefully, uh, the advertising is starting to uh, become a more important. Uh, uh, sponsors yes. are important uh, to make things happen. Well, we've been at it for two and a half years now, so we've been we've been gathering uh, readers right. as we go, and and. Thirty-five percent over year over year is, is how we're that's going. That's good growth. Yeah, it's good growth. Okay, so we've, we've currently at about twenty thousand unique visitors, and uh, that's good. Thirty thousand page views. Okay, so every month people are peeking in the, and opening things up. Then, yeah, you're getting warmed up to uh, Gray County Reads. Yes. So tell something. me a little bit about that. And you got what five books or something? Five books are chosen every year. This is our third year doing this. It'll start up again in January. And uh, what we do is we get all of the Gray County libraries involved. There's seven different library boards in Gray County, and they each uh, select three books. Uh, Usually it's local authors. We like to get uh, hyper-local authors, too, because uh, it's good to promote local authors. What's a hyper? 
somebody who's uh, within a short driving distance of, of the area. So okay. that, uh, well, we you know, maybe, you're using language that I don't really understand, but now I do, hyper. Okay. Maybe we can even get them to come and do a reading at the end of the uh, okay. of the whole process when uh, we've selected a winner. So have you selected some books yet? Uh, yes. Yeah, so each uh, of our readers uh, will select from a list of 21 that's supplied to us oh, by the different library boards. Okay, it's the reader that does it. Okay. And uh, yeah, we've selected five books. And if you'd like to know what they are, I have them here. They are Open Up the Wall by Jeff Bowes. They right. are Dance of the Happy Shades, which is Alison Munro's uh, first collection of short stories. Right. Empire of the Wild by Sherry Demoline and Midnight of the, at the Dragon Cafe by Judy Fong Bates. And To the River by Don Gilmore. Okay, so those were chosen by by your five readers. By our five readers. So our How five. How do you become a reader? Well, you have to be on. Uh, you have to be on in my good books for one oh, thing. Oh, good <laughs> books. Okay. So basically, you have to. I, I try to select um, uh, people from a wide range of, of backgrounds, right. uh, not necessarily uh, from the uh, reading world or, or authors' world. Right. But um, you have to probably like to read and read books. So they got to uh, sort of analyze the book and talk about it? Is that one yeah, of their basically jobs? So they, they can't be really shy then, eh? No. And I've never, yeah, I don't really choose shy people. Okay, so, so you would probably do very well at this. Okay. Well, this future lies ahead. Yeah, that's right. right. Maybe next year we'll choose okay. you. But our five readers are Robert Iantorno, um, John Tamming of Tamming Law. Robert is the uh, South Gray Museum curator. Right. Kimberly Edwards of the Gray Bruce Sustainability Network. Um, Kathy Hurd, who is a poet, a poet, an author, minister. Okay. And uh, Michael Dentant, who uh, oh, is Michael. a I know Michael. Sure. journalist and uh, was recently the liberal candidate for uh, federal parliament. He's hanging around uh, this area for a while? Well, he lives in the area. He's right. he's lived here for uh, most of his life. Yep. But uh, he has done his little jaunts um, to Toronto and to Ottawa. Wasn't he your boss one time? He wasn't my boss. Okay. We worked together. He was in the editorial <laughs> side of things. I okay. was in you the marketing at, side. You were in marketing, right? At yeah, Own Sound? at yeah. the Own Sound sometimes. All right, okay. That's great. Well, look, uh, we look forward to uh, getting some more information. Do you think you could do a show on those? On those uh, yeah, we would like to do a show on them. Okay. Uh, maybe we can get uh, some or all of them to come down to the studio here and yeah. uh, maybe okay. even talk nice. about their books. Right. Okay, great. Um, they're busy reading them right now. Are they? Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Well, those are great things. And uh, be sure that, to subscribe to the South Gray News. And, and uh, if you're a business, uh, think about uh, putting out a Christmas greeting. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for dropping in today, Ron. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. We'll see you soon. I'll be here again. The Great Highlands Chamber of Commerce is in mourning this week. Our administrator, Kate Fitzpatrick, passed away on a critical accident at the intersection in downtown Marktail. Please visit us at greyhighlandschamber.com to view the pipe band that played Amazing Grace at the intersection during the Santa Claus Parade. It's very moving. The office is intermittently open as we sort out how we're going to move forward. On the evening of November the 30th, I was pleased to attend the last 2019 speaker series at the South Gray Museum, and it's put on by the Friends. The speaker was Tony Luciani, a resident of Durham and a world-class artist. I was really impressed with Tony, and I was also impressed with his works. This week, Tony will be receiving the first prize award at the Figur Eti Vas. My Spanish is very uh, weak. 2019 in Barcelona, Spain. There were over 5,000 contestants. His award-winning oil on canvas, The Dressmaker, is hanging at the Museum of European Modern Art in Barcelona, Spain. We didn't have a chance to interview Tony, but we will anticipate uh, having him in early 2020. So we also have a few excerpts from his presentation that he made at the South Gray Museum. So we come to the last painting I'm going to show you tonight. 
And this is the reason I'm going to Barcelona on Monday. This is called The Dressmaker. Um, it's my mom at the sewing machine. And um, my dealer didn't want it. Old person, over 30. <laughs> it's dark. Um, there are personal paintings I do, and there are paintings that are more general and so forth. So I have to do both. But again, I, I paint what I want to paint, so I'm not subjected to the whims of the dealer telling me anything. I just do it and I bring it in. Um, he's younger than I am, so I can tell him off. <laughs> um, so this was uh, also submitted to Barcelona early this year, and it won a world prize. It's the most important, biggest figurative art competition international art competition there is, um, over 80 countries, over 5,000 artists, and they're top artists, and it won. You've been listening to Ingray Highlands This Week, Episode 7, for Thursday, the 5th of December, 2019, a current affairs podcast for and about the municipality of Grey Highlands in Ontario, Canada. Our hosts are Stuart Halliday and Paul McQueen. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to you favouring us with a response by email, feedback at ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca, or a call to our voicemail at 519-900-8905. Please visit ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca to view the show notes, leave a comment, and listen to extended material. Our scores are skillfully composed and generously provided by Al Halliday of Arkham Dispatch and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thanks to our guests, Dr. Ian Era, Medical Officer of Health for Grey Bruce, Alan Madden, the Executive Director of the South East Grey Community Health Centre. Ron Barnett produces our SouthGreyNews.ca segment. Thanks to the Friends of the South Grey Museum for excerpts from the museum's speaker series featuring Tony Luciani. The show is produced by Tim Riley at Leaking Ambient Studio in Flesherton. In Grey Highlands This Week is produced in association with the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce and our friends at southgreynews.ca and is copyright under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License. If I had to leave this world